You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. to the Thunderquack Podcast, Perfect 10. Uh, I am your host, Michael Cohen, and we're back with another fun episode. We've done a lot of movies lately, and we're, we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to talk about a TV series on this one. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about this one. This is uh, this is actually one of those ones. You guys hear me say it every episode, pretty much, uh, except for the one we did with Missy with uh, uh, Roman Holiday, which was a movie I had never seen prior to that. But basically every other episode of this podcast so far, uh, I, I go to my friends and I say, hey, come be on my podcast. This is what it is. Uh, what's your perfect 10? <laughs> what, like, what do you want to what do you want to do? And they throw out one or two ideas. And there is always one in there that is just like, yeah, that's natural. That is a no brainer. That is so easy. This is. Look, obviously there's one, there's one that is so easy that we're never going to do it. I shouldn't say that we're going to do it, but (laughs) there's one that I am avoiding because we have so many other things to talk about that we're not going to talk about Star Wars, but I, (laughs) but this is one of those other ones for me that is so incredibly natural uh, that I, I'm. I'm so excited that we get to talk about it on this episode. And to do that, uh, I've I've got my friend Candice Caught from the Geeky Waffle uh, hanging out to talk about gargoyles. Candice, how's it going? It's going really well. I'm very excited to talk about the Defenders of the Night. Yes, yes. We're talking about Gargoyles, the television series, okay, from 1994. We are not talking about Gargoyles, the TV movie from the early 90s, just in case anybody's curious. Uh, no, there's like, a, when you look it up on IMDb, it's like the second thing that shows up. And it's like, no, why would anybody ever be looking for that? Just remove it from IMDb. Come on, there's only one Gargoyles. I, I, yeah, I, this, this show... I mean, we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording. This is a this is a Disney afternoon show, so um, it's it, like so many things in Disney afternoon. I mean, you guys are listening on the Thunderquack Podcast Network. If you don't know what the Thunderquack is, then clearly you didn't watch Disney afternoon every week, like Candace and I did, uh, or every day, I should say, every weekday. Yeah, I I because the Thunderquack is Darkwing Duck's jet uh, that launch pad flies. I I. And I, I, Gargoyles is like, to me, the moment it's, it's, it's like, it's from the end of Disney afternoons run, but it's, it's like, not, not the very end, but pretty close to the end. And it's like that signal of like, oh, our audience is aging. Like, like the demographic has started to age out of this. (laughs) They're trying to kind of come with us a little bit, but, but I, but yeah, this show this show, like I say, it's like it was it was foundational for me. Um, so I've talked about a bit about it, but I, Candace, what I need from you is I need you to explain to the listeners who I mean, like I just I shudder to think that they even exist. But the people who haven't seen Gargoyles but are listening to this anyways, who 
hopefully will convert by the end of this and they'll go to Disney plus and they'll start watching it. But I, Candace, what is Gargoyles? Okay. Gargoyles is a Disney afternoon series like you talked about, but it's not a DuckTales or a Darkwing Duck. This mm-hmm. is, this is, I don't want to say grown up because it was still for children, but it was a darker, more mature story that, um, there's these creatures, gargoyles, who turn to stone by night, I mean by day, and at night they come alive and they always want to protect a castle. So it starts in the year 994, they get cursed, a thousand years later they come back alive in New York, and it's about them adapting to modern society while still protecting their castle, which they consider to be Manhattan now. And it's just flipping amazing. Yeah, it's it's um, in my opinion, it's the best thing that Disney Afternoon ever did. And that is coming from somebody who who like named their podcast network yeah. after Darkwing Duck. I I because I love Darkwing. I love the DuckTales series. I love Chippendale. I like like you name it. Um, I, I love it, except for maybe bonkers. But I <laughs> I couldn't stand that show. But uh, everything else Disney Afternoon was was phenomenal but gargoyles was like something else right like gargoyles is something special it was very different because it was a serial show Mm -hmm. if you missed an episode you might not understand what's happening the next day it had this continuous story and there was character development and relationship development which you don't really see in that disney afternoon it was such an outlier Mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy yeah, yeah, like with like with no DuckTales, like most of the episodes of DuckTales were like three or four part episodes. Yeah. Um, if you go and you listen to I, I my friend Curtis and I uh, did a, a, a briefly live series that we always threaten that we'll go back to one day called Cartoon Afternoon, um, where we were covering the new DuckTales. But interspersed with that, we we covered a few of the the classic DuckTales episodes as well. And, um, and, and they would do arcs, right. But in like sitcom fashion, I, everything would get wrapped up at the end and basically go back to normal. Right. So you, you would get an episode where a new friend would join them, but then at the end of it, you know, they would have to time travel him back to prehistoric time because they were like, we can't have a cave duck living with us forever um right like it would be stuff like that but you would always get back to the main status quo whereas yeah gargoyles was really the first it was the first thing that i ever experienced that had that continuing storyline over the course of the entire series right that that it would um like at one episode in season one if like you you missed it like in season two like 60 episodes in you they'd be like hey by the way you remember and you'd be like um no i don't <laughs> uh, i always think about the pack right because the pack are are these villains that show up in season one really early on actually um and and over the course of the series uh seasons one and two i should i should be specific uh, come back like they split up and and individually come back in like these huge meaningful ways um throughout and it's just like it's one of those things of 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 like if you didn't really know where they came from in the first place you you might get a little bit 
you might get a little bit confused. You, you definitely had to watch every episode of the series until you got to season three. But we'll yeah. get we'll yeah, get we'll save that. Three. We'll talk we'll talk positives before we get into yeah. season three. Well, one of the major things that just comes to mind automatically is Elisa Maza is their human friend. She is their mm-hmm. April O'Neil if we're talking Ninja Turtle terms. Yeah. And she's a police officer. And there's an episode, I believe in season one, where one of the gargoyles is playing with a gun and accidentally mm-hmm. shoots her. Yeah. Like, this was like, this was elementary school children watching this, which yeah. is actually amazing. Like, you see her lying in a pool of blood. Mm-hmm. And in the next episode, she's in crutches. She's walking slowly because, you know, she's healing still. But afterwards, in other episodes, you see her putting her gun in a lockbox. Yeah. So it's little things like that that you you just learn more about and it yeah it, details. It, it, yeah it it's um it it really pushed animation right like like because yeah. we're talking about a time when like the most if you wanted to call it mature animation on television would have been the simpsons right and this is a time 1994 we're like actually right in the heat of the Simpsons is ruining our children. Like it's like, it's bad for society sort of thing. Like, I don't, I don't know if people can imagine that time. I wasn't allowed to watch the Simpsons in 1993, 94. Like, like that's where we were at is that like, like, you know, uh, the news was telling everybody that Bart Simpson saying eat my shorts was making children juvenile delinquents. Right. So scandalous. So yeah, scandal. so so here's this here's this secret series. It's 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 funny because we're 1994. We're talking about gargoyles, Spider Man, and X Men are all on TV, right? Like that's like those are kind of like the staples of of um I, I think like like for, for me because I would have been in 94. I would have been like nine. So um. Yeah, like those were the those were the shows that were like right up my alley, like and right at at my I think uh, accessibility level, right? Um, and all three of those shows were playing with these ideas of of continuity and and um, and this longer form of storytelling. But X Men X Men would go there sometimes, but it would do it in like very like oh like we have certain rules that we have to follow. All of the bad guys have laser guns and stuff like that um that we're chopping up robots like it 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 stays pretty like saturday morning cartoon safe still playing by like those he-man uh gi joe rules and spider-man was like spider-man was uh, well he's got webs so don't worry about it right like everything's fine everybody's fine by the end of every episode um except for mary jane that one time but I, I they tried to do the Gwen Stacy thing with Mary Jane, yeah. but they couldn't kill her, so they dropped her into a portal. Uh, it's very confusing. But they left her there because the it didn't continue afterwards. I think. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, she's just in a different dimension. Yeah. I don't know. I think no. I think they. I think they wrap it up in the very last episode. Like there's oh, like okay. a moment because he has like the the interdimensional adventure right at the like Spider Verse yeah, okay. happened in the Spider Man cartoon series before it ever happened in in uh, the comics and then eventually on the big screen but um but yeah it it, like the those shows both pulled their punches a hundred percent but 
And here's the thing. Greg Weissman did not pull punches with gargoyles and he made the show that he wanted to make, even though it was Disney making it and it was an animated show intended for a younger audience. He didn't care. Like he, he, I think, I think he was the first one who really made a show for that, like sort of tween audience. Right. We didn't, we didn't even have that word back then. Right. That didn't exist for like another five or six years, I think. But but really he was the first, like, oh, yeah, no, no, go ahead. I just, I really appreciate that he treated his audience, even though, yes, we were children, like we were mm-hmm. smart. We understood, we kept up with the storylines. And there was even, I remember like watching some behind the scenes things as a kid because I remember this line vividly. In the very first episode, the villain. David Xanatos says something to about along the lines, if you pay a man enough, he'll walk barefoot in hell. And saying mm-hmm. the H word yeah. in a Disney afternoon series. But Greg put that in there to see what he could get away with, he said. Yeah. Yeah. And he got away with that. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think it was a thing of like in the first season for sure, no one was paying attention. They thought like, because, because like, and he was smart. He was really smart about it because what did he do? He built the gargoyles around the, the same tropes that everything else was built around at the time, which was everybody was just trying to emulate the Ninja Turtles. Right. So you nailed it when you said earlier that like Eliza is their April O'Neil. Right. But instead of making her this half measure of like, well, she's a news reporter, right? Like, oh, she's she's somebody who's in the line of fire, but isn't one of the people firing, right? Like, that's always kind of a lot of the shows will do that, where where like where your your human counterpart to these like fantastical characters is is like they're involved, but not like you know they're not a combatant, right? Or but then they're, you, they're you, damsel in distress a lot. Yeah, they're I, what they're fighting for instead. Like Elisa yeah. is fighting alongside them like the first two episodes the first mm-hmm. the first time she spends like the whole night with Goliath she stays with him and protects him after mm-hmm. they were attacked and that just again that stuck with me too as a kid mm-hmm. i was like she's so cool yeah we're going to we're going to circle back to that uh, yeah. cuz that's one of the other things that's that's huge about this show but um but yeah like she was she, like she was an actual like uh, uh, active participant in the stories um if not the driving force behind a lot of them especially in the first season um like it was a lot of her investigations and then them helping right yeah. I, I, but then but then it it did have the perfect in in uh brooklyn lexington and broadway you had the ninja turtle i they're brightly colored they like they're mm-hmm. they I, I i always it man it's so funny because like x-men and gargoyles i credit a lot with my um with my open-mindedness and like with the type of like man that I am today, like, because those two shows at that integral time in, in like my formation of ideologies showed me that like, I being different is not, is not a bad thing. Like being different is actually a good thing. And I will always, always, always forever remember from the first episode when the, the little boy asks them, I, I, you know, like, like, what are your names? And like, we don't have names. 
I, how do you tell each other apart? And it's like, well, we all look different. And then, and then he asks the question, like, but what do you call each other? And Lexington just goes friend. Right. And it's just like that, that, um, boiling down, like this boiling down, I, I like, like xenophobia, which is such Mm -hmm. a big concept to teach. Oh yeah seven eight nine year olds right i into into literally one scene of like of this of this little kid who like the gargoyles have just saved everybody right and then i i and then and this kid's like oh you guys are heroes and then the mom comes over and is like well i judge you because i'm an adult which is immediately putting you at the place of like of letting you as a kid know like hey adults don't understand this. They're not going to understand you when you talk about this. Some for some reason, right? We don't we don't quite understand it in that moment. It's not explained. But like the series does a very good job of explaining it to you. But but like it's just like really quick for a kid of like as a kid you have an opportunity right now to be better than the adults and to not judge these characters based on their appearance. And hopefully just like this kid you're like actually I keep saying this kid. Well, I can't remember the, his name. Tom. He's actually Tom. sorry. It's Tom. He's Tom. a hugely important character. But <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh my god. He's like yeah. he raises gargoyle eggs. But yeah. um, Michael, I yeah, I'm biracial. I'm yes. half white. I'm half Indian. And yeah, I I knew what racism was before I could remember because just experiencing it, being with my parents, seeing stare, mm-hmm. seeing hearing comments, not quite understanding it because. You don't process a kid. But I actually, I met um, Marina Citrus, who plays um, Des- uh, plays Dem- Demona at one of the cons mm-hmm. I was working. And I told her, I was like, this series helped me so much understanding racism, mm-hmm. understanding, like you said, xenophobia, and just understanding the world, and helping me realize, like, we weren't the bad people. It's these other people who just are ignorant and didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And having also a character like Elisa Maza, who is biracial, not the same as me, but just having that in a TV show mm-hmm. was representation. I will talk about it day in and day out. But like as a six-year-old seeing that, and it just makes you feel a little less alone, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, and 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 that that scene that I'm talking about, the way that it also immediately um, plays out the other side of of an interaction like that, right? That as soon as the the adults come over and start like I I basically like persecuting these gargoyles, yeah. they're they, saying that they're hurting him, hurting the child when the child yeah. just started a conversation with them. Yeah, just because they look different and they are different. Yeah, and they want to react, right? These young gargoyles want to react, and they want to. They well, fine. You want us to be monsters, then let's be monsters. And the way that like that is played as equally as bad, right? Like of of, of like um, because Goliath comes in, he's like, no, but we can't do that. Like that can't be. And and you know what? If 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 it wasn't if it would listen if it was anybody but Keith David, is this show as effective as it is? I don't know. Oh my! I don't gosh. know because Keith Goliath David. is like. Goliath is Keith David. Keith David is Goliath. I don't care what he shows up in. When I'm watching season six of Community and he shows up and he talks and he's a ridiculous character in that, 
I just hear Goliath all the time. But every once in a while, he'll do something on social media where he'll like drop back into the voice. And it's like, he's still got it, you guys. Like not just the the sound of his voice, but like the character is just like, it's just under the surface for him at all times. And it's just, it makes me nuts that, that we haven't been able to get Disney to go back to I mean we know why but <laughs> although <laughs> we'll talk about Greg White we are going to talk about Greg Weissman and the controversy and stuff like that but I I yeah like I it just it drives me nuts because it's like come on like we could like this is actually another season of Gargoyles is is something that we need right now I think um, it's a, a show that uses this allegory this fantastical setting and these characters to get across to young people that like there is like nobody wins in either on either side of this equation. Right. When people persecute and then, and then people fight back against that, like, like violently, like that's not how we do it. Right. Like there are, there are better ways. Uh, and, and what is it? Like, it's mostly by forming friendships, right? That's like, it's like most shows. What's the solution in almost every scenario. It's like, well, uh, we're, we should just be friends instead of enemies. Like how many episodes of gargoyles uh, start with two people fighting each other that turn, it turns out by the end of it that actually, no, it's just Xanatos. He's actually the only one that we should be fighting. Uh, it's always, it always goes back to Xanatos. Until until quite close to the end of the series, but yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that um, was another gr- amazing thing about the series too. Is like one of their main enemies becomes a friend at the end, and it yeah. was again as a child, especially when you're like young, grade school. You think of things very black and white. Someone's just bad. Someone's a villain. There's no nuance to it. And with Xanatos, you see him like go from like, okay, he tricked them into like super villain territory to he becomes a father. He nearly loses his wife, nearly loses his son, and he has a change of heart. Mm-hmm. And having and him risking to save the gargoyles at the very end of the series, spoiler alert, but like just seeing that was something very new and again it's a big idea but they trusted us to understand it that people can change yeah absolutely yeah well and and that's the that's the great thing that you get when you tell the story over over a long period right and i i let's let's break let's break down the seasons actually because we've kind of been talking around it but um so we've got the the first season is not that long i mean like it's a decent decent length season right um i'm trying to it's bring up about, the episode list uh, it's 13 episodes yeah so that's i mean that was pretty uh, that was pretty standard for a for yeah, a disney first afternoon season. first season um, yeah the first five episodes are we're turning into like a movie the yeah. awakening that's all about you know setting this up getting them from 994 to 1994 and having them meet everyone and, you know, revealing Xanatos is bad. Not only is Xanatos bad, but Gargo- um, Goliath's ex, Demona, has somehow survived for a thousand years. <laughs> and she really hates humans. Yeah. <laughs> and and how complicated that story is going to get is just one of the best things oh about this God, whole series. 
so good. It's so how convoluted. Good. And I, yeah. Um, and then this, and then the second season is fifty-two episodes long. So it's funny that like the first season, like you said, was 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 Greg Weissman going like. I wonder what I can get away with. And he kind of pushes the envelope a couple of places here and there. And so I, I think that Disney kind of reluctantly green lights the second season because the show is hugely popular, right? Mm-hmm. Massive, um, a massive hit action figures, uh, VHS, tapes, McDonald's, happy meal. Oh my God. Toys. A video game on the Sega Genesis, like that nobody could play. I, uh, but uh, I never made it past the first level in that game. Never. But I still rented it like ten times. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's hilarious. You had to kids. You had to. Uh, uh, you couldn't just go. I mean, you could just go buy video games, but nobody, nobody did that. You didn't. You didn't own a bunch of video games unless you were like a rich kid. Uh, you would. You would go to the video store, which is uh, another antiquated notion. But like, it's this place where they would have a bunch of video cassettes. Okay, so I have to explain what a VCR is, I guess. But no, I I you would go and you would actually be able to rent things. Uh video games were one of them. Mm-hmm. Which means that you would pay the money and you would get to have it for a little bit of time. And I probably rented the Gargoyles video game enough to own it. Um and never beat the first level. <laughs> never maybe made it to like the end of the first level and then died right before. Uh, I think my brother beat it like once. My oldest brother beat it like one time. And we were like, oh, that's what the second level looks like. And then he died immediately. Um, but that's how video games were back then. Uh, <laughs> but I, but season two, season two gets wild because season two is when we start to introduce all of these weird Shakespearean elements, which again, like this is a show aimed at like eight to 13 year olds at, who have absolutely no knowledge of Shakespeare, right? And so, like, Weissman just starts grabbing all of these characters from Shakespeare, whether it's Macbeth or he grabs, like, all of the, like, the, 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 the pantheon. The sisters. Yeah. And... Well, yeah, the, from, from, oh, which is also from Macbeth, Macbeth right? But, um, yeah, but then Midsummer's he grabs the pantheon Dream. from Insight and Numbers Extreme. And it's like, and that becomes, like, it all becomes, like, interwoven into this thing where it's like, oh, this, like, Celtic uh scottish i i it's it's because it really kind of it kind of crosses boundaries in a lot of places because it's it's a lot of myths it's like odin's in there there's african myths there's native american um the trickster god um there's so much um i just want to say when i was seven years old i made a librarian cried because i asked for shakespeare (laughs) because of the series because of the show yeah yeah it's funny I, 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 uh, my, my dad was like, uh, he, when he was younger, he was an actor and that sort of thing. So I, I, and he was big into the arts and stuff. So Shakespeare was something that he obviously had a lot of knowledge about. And I would watch this show and then I would like talk about it and he'd be like, the character's name is Macbeth. And then he would tell me about Macbeth and I like, I'm like 10 or 11 years old, right. Talking to him about this stuff. And so I just picked stuff up, right? Like I just, just in, in conversation with him and, and other places, you just sort of start to put this stuff together. And then by the time that I got to high school and it's like, we're doing Macbeth, which I think was like 11th grade for me, um, uh, which I was already a huge Shakespeare nerd by that point anyways, but, um, but we're doing Macbeth and I, 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 I have all of this like extra knowledge, (laughs) 
about Macbeth that was spurned by gargoyles. And, uh, and I can remember a conversation that I had with my English teacher. He didn't like me very much. Um, cause I think he thought I was a know-it-all. Uh, I, but, uh, and he was probably right, but, uh, but I, but I did also know a lot. So, um, uh, he didn't know, he didn't understand how to handle somebody with ADHD and hyperfixations. but, uh, uh, but anyways, one day at, we'd started Macbeth and, uh, it was like the second class that we were talking about it and it's discussion, right? English class. So it's, mm-hmm. we were supposed to, we read it aloud and then we're supposed to discuss stuff. And, uh, and we're discussing things and, and I started talking about like, well, Macbeth is an allegory for this and that and whatever. I'd had a long conversation with my dad about it and like had gotten into it because of the character in Gargoyles. Right. Had like, so I had all of this extra knowledge about it beyond just like the plot points of Macbeth. And he takes me after class and he's like, Mike, you have to, you have to keep that stuff to yourself. And I was like, why? I'm not wrong. And he's, he's like, that's not the point. The point is this: these other kids, they're having a hard enough time just understanding this, just understanding the words. They don't even know what's happening in the story. And I was like, well, I think you're not giving them enough credit. I was like, I was like, that's a, like, what, what, a, what a, what an angle for an educator to have, right? Of like these stupid 16 and 17 year olds don't understand. Well, how old are you in 11th grade? Is that right? 15, 16 so. year olds. I, they don't they don't have enough uh brains in their head to understand verily hath thou right much less you're talking about the political you know uh, whatever going on in england and scotland at the time and it's like okay fine i don't know i thought that's what we were here for but <laughs> that's fine i uh, so it's so funny that i i like that i i had to have that talking to by my English teacher in the 12th grade as a direct result of Greg Weissman being like, but what if we made Macbeth an action hero? Like what if Macbeth was Sean Connery played by John Reese Davis played by John Reese Davis. And he fought um, like a 10 foot tall purple uh, stone man with wings. What if, what if that were the show? What if that's the show? And he's like, and he has this weird, I, I intertwined dyad relationship with the villainess of the show as well. And it's like, so who, who's the bad guy at what point it's, it's man. Gargoyles is so good. Cause you're just like, you go through the whole series and you're like, so who is the bad guy in Gargoyles? And it's like, um, I think it's society. prejudice. I think, yeah. I think it's prejudice. Yeah. Society. Yeah. That's a good one. It's like, it's man versus himself. Like that's the whole is man versus himself, but the lead characters are all not human. Like it's just, it's so wild, but that's the brilliance of the show. And Greg Weissman, again, just pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. Um, and, and bringing in other cultures from around the world, making Aliza, <clears throat> I, she's what she's, she's black Latino and, uh, Native American, right? Like that's sort of the, the the mix. She's, um, it's black. She's black and Native American. Okay, is she not Latino? I thought the. I, don't is, think I so. guess is the Maza. I guess just because it's like Southwest America, right? So, I uh, uh, that's I always kind of just got that little bit of a of a of no. A vibe, she's but. she's based on um she's actually based on Sally Richardson. She's both African and she has some Cherokee 
Root. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But like they 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 bring that stuff into it, right? Like I I I love it because in, in, later in the second season, we like visit like basically both of her ancestral homes, uh, and and like interact with gods in both of those places, <laughs> um, that are that are connected to sort of her her uh, heritage. Um, one of the episodes is literally called Heritage, I think. I but I. I it's just like they take every opportunity to explore um like the like other other cultures and other uh like religious beliefs even in some of them like it's it's at the time like again we're talking about 94 to 97 right and that is not something that's being done in adult content very often um, unless it's like almost exploitative in nature, right? Like, or, or yeah. like very pointed about it. Right. But here's this kid's show that is like, yeah. So we're going to tell you a fantastical story about, uh, uh about a Nazi uh, uh, turning people into Panthers. Um, and, and, you know, but this is like, this is like real African mythology, right? So you're like, as a kid, you're just learning this stuff just by, watching a show that you like right it just and and obviously you know there's a there's a line there there's a there's a bit of a fuzzy line there because some of the stories are also being morphed a little bit in order to um in order to fit the narrative right yeah because all the all the mythical creatures are children of oberon oberon who's mm-hmm. from midsummer so they're all connected they're all siblings really so yeah. like the a banshee from ireland is related to um the Gollum, I think, in Prague. Yeah, and which is which is very tied into like Jewish. I, I, yeah, it's like it is. It is like a. I think that episode is like an episode about anti-Semitism, right? Like, it's a. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, um, and again, like <laughs> it's a cartoon series about a big purple man with wings. I uh, and his uh, and 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 his friends. Uh, and but let's 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 really let's try and tackle anti-Semitism with this one, <laughs> which I love. Speaking as a Jewish person, I love that. Uh, it it makes me very happy. But uh, yeah, I but then but then we get to the third season, and what no. happens with the third season is so Weissman had been like basically fighting with Disney throughout those fifty two episodes of season two. Um, every time he wanted to do something cool, they were like, "You can't do that in a cartoon," and he was like, "But I'm going to because you guys ordered fifty two episodes of a cartoon and that's what i'm making um and so like they kind of he he just fought them fought them fought them so uh they didn't renew they renewed the series for one more season but they didn't renew greg weissman's contract they basically kicked him off the show even though it was his like his creation like he birthed these characters right and this concept um and so they got rid of him and and I think they got rid of like most of the writing staff, right? Like yeah. it's like because the you jump into the first episode of season three and it is not the same show. It well, picks the, up where the last the, one left left off, but it is not the same show. It's but the first season, the first episode is actually written by Greg. It's the every episode after that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It's yeah. terrible. Like because the first um, um the first episode of season three is the journey, and. Even Greg, after I think it was like in 
2006 or so, they came out with a comic book of what his yeah. like vision was for what would happen after the series. And it included the journey. Mm-hmm. So it was after that. After that, everybody yeah, sorry, knows yeah, about Gargoyles. Right. It's the second episode. Yeah. And one of them is like, one of them goes to Hollywood to be an actor or something. And another one is like the dog gargoyle gets like, you know, ends up in the Amish country or something. It's just really weird. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so odd. It, it transforms from everything that we've been talking about that we've been praising the show for into just another Saturday morning cartoon. Like it, just, it, like the difference is uh, this is a pun, and I'm going to intend it. It's night and day. Like it just, it, it is, it is awful. <laughs> it, they take something so amazing and just flush it down the the toilet, and and I hate it. But the best part of this whole story is that they didn't learn their lesson <laughs> because many, many, many years later, I uh, Disney makes a huge acquisition for about $4 billion. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and now all of a sudden they own star Wars and uh, star Wars has a massive hit animated series. One of the biggest animated shows at the time, the clone wars. And so um, Disney cancels it. They just cancel it. They're just like, well, I uh, cartoon network has a stake in that. So until we can sort that out, we're not making this show anymore. Uh, uh, so cancel it. So they cancel it and then we'll make our own show. Who should we get to make our new uh, Star Wars TV show? And uh, and obviously they get Dave Filoni to head it up. But Dave Filoni, I think, goes to Greg Weissman and goes, hey, I really like Gargoyles. Come write a Star Wars show with me. And Weissman shows up and is one of the foundational creatives behind Star Wars Rebels. So um, my favorite Star Wars yeah, my favorite Star Wars too. <laughs> like, it's like, hmm. Huh, huh. This is why we don't need to do a Star Wars episode, you guys, is because it always comes We'll make back it Star Wars. Wars. We'll yeah, make we it will Star Wars. Always make it Star Wars. I literally have on my shelf to 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 the right of me, there there's the uh my Kanan bust from Sideshow, and then the NECA uh, Goliath, like just a little bit down from him. I uh, and the two of them, it's like, yeah. Yeah, they belong together on the same shelf. That makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it's so funny because there's a lot of gargoyles in Star Wars Rebels. A lot. Um, it's it it has it has a, a great deal of connective tissue there um, in terms of like the types of stories that they tell and well, and also just the names are like biblical Hebrew, yeah, Greek inspired, yeah, like Hera. And- Ezra and all these kind of things. Yeah, so, you can like, you can feel his influence in that first season real heavy. But then like, it happens again. And listen, I'm talking totally out of school here because we have never heard fully why? officially anything of why Greg Weissman was not invited back to season two and didn't continue on that show. But after the first season of Star Wars Rebels, he was no longer attached. Um, which I always thought was interesting. Um, and it was, I think it was right after that, that he sort of started back up on his ax grinding with Disney, um, with gargoyles. I, I, and, and he got, he got uh, a little bit grumpy. Um, and, and listen, if you follow the guy on social media, I've talked about Greg Weissman on other podcasts in the past. So I'm not saying anything new, I don't think, but um, he, I, 
there are people there are people who get the raw end of the deal on a regular basis and you kind of go like i don't understand why that happens and then there are other people who you go mm, i think i see some patterns here and uh it might not be all disney <laughs> on this one. I think that Disney definitely holds the bag for the bad decision making, but uh, because I think when you like, if you hire someone like Greg Weissman, you should know what you're getting yourself into and you should let him do his thing because he's also one of the, the, the key minds behind young justice. And that has been like a whole other thing of like, are we going to get another season? Like, like I, I controversies and, you know, fans getting in an uproar and him sort of maybe stoking that flame a little bit too much at times. Um, but he, he's a, he can be a controversial figure uh, to say the least. Uh, and so some well, of these things, I, I think maybe he's done to himself to a certain degree, but, but he hasn't uh, said anything like awful, right? Like racist, sexist, I, well, no, no, he, he's never, it's, it's not, he's, he is, I think he's a good guy. And I think like, okay, good. On, Cause I was like, yeah, yeah. no, no. <laughs> I was like, when he's, you said controversy at the beginning, I was like, yeah, oh, crap. he's what not, did he he's do? not, no, no, he's not a, it's, this is not a cancel culture controversy. This is like a Hollywood difficult to work with controversy. Okay. Right. Well, I um, just want to say yeah. like, um, in the 90s, internet's somewhat new. You're using dial-up. There mm-hmm. is a Gargoyles fan page, and he actually answered questions yeah. from fans, including Little Me, which <laughs> was very exciting. And it was the first interaction I had on the internet of the creator fan, you know, the the relationship that you can create online. Yeah. And it was just really cool to, like, ask him questions about things in the series. and have him answer it and he was just like i just always thought he was really cool for that because he obviously loved the series and he loved the fans too that's the thing and that's where i'll always kind of i'll always err on his side a little bit because he like disney is making decisions out of fear right when it comes to what happened with gargoyles i they don't want to upset stockholders they don't want to upset you know parent groups which like to be fair like I was talking about with the Simpsons at the time in the mid nineties was a very legitimate concern, right? Like those, those mom groups had a lot of control in Hollywood. It it was actually, when you look back at it, you look at the history of it, it's actually a little bit scary and it's a little bit, it's a little bit similar to some stuff that's going on right now um, with some, some, some conservative groups where it's like they just, it was political, ideologists uh, on on negative sides of things using fear in order to shore up bases right like in order to get votes and that sort of thing yeah and it's we have to be like disney's great i love disney i'm a disney adult i just went to disneyland paris so just prefacing that but they are still a business and a business is about money so i understand that they would be like okay well what can we do that's not going to upset and have people be like no Disney for my kids. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that Disney still struggles with today is finding the balance of, okay, well, we have a lot of people who, you know, want to see diversity uh, in our stuff, but we also don't want to tick off the conservatives that also give us money. Yeah. So they've been playing both sides, which doesn't really work for anyone. No, I mean it's a, it ends up being a, a a centrist ideology, and that doesn't serve anybody any good, right? Um, yeah. 
but uh, yeah, it's uh, so it's it's difficult. But I'll always err on Greg Weissman's side because where his, I uh, where he's made mistakes over the years, it's been out of passion. Like like yeah, that's, that's what I always figured. It's it's totally relatable stuff. It's but like I can t- I can relate to it really heavily because I will say stuff on podcasts and I'll get caught up in the moment and I'll go off on a tirade and then later on I'll be like, did I say too many words? I uh, I so I get it. Like you know when you're when you're a person on the internet, uh, thankfully not that many people listen to me, so uh, I don't get in that much trouble except for that one time with the Raylos. But I uh, uh, but it's okay. It all worked out. Um, I got in trouble um, with Raylos too once. Yeah, it was it was a it was an absolute misunderstanding. But now I'm one of them, so uh, I guess it worked for them. I I they bullied me into becoming one of them. I but I deserve. Arzy's trying I, to do that with me, but it's not working. <laughs> but I I yeah, like like that 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 access. It's like like I I've I've said it on on Twitter a few times when stuff happens. Uh, it's like we just have we have way too much access to these people <laughs> like that's we have way too much access to creatives and to celebrities uh, that like um, it it can be magic sometimes and it's really cool when you tweet on a random day during Star Wars celebration I just think we should all appreciate Ryan Johnson for making great movies especially a really great Star Wars movie um, and then he likes it and you're like okay Ryan Johnson knows that I think that he's great and that's enough for me. Right. Like that, like, like that's a, that's a nice interaction, but then every once in a while you, you say something on the internet and then the person that you said it about sees it and then they react. And uh, sometimes they don't react well, (laughs) sometimes, sometimes the, the, the words that start happening become toxic and it turns into a whole other thing or other fans misinterpret things and uh and take it into other directions and you end up with like a snyderverse situation right like where where that's that's unfortunate because i don't think that Zack snyder ever intended for any of that to be the case right but i i but that sort of that's what fandom and fan creator interaction has become um and and i think greg weissman's just one of those guys that like i don't he just he he plays with fire a lot. Um, so all of that to say it really sucks. Cause I don't think we'll ever get m- more proper gargoyles as a result of that. Um, it's, it's never quite gonna, uh, uh, manifest because yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 I think Disney just looks at it as something that they're like, well, then we got to deal with him and that's a whole thing. And I don't know. I don't know. I, the right, I think the right executive in the right, in the right scenario, they could do it, but you have to have the right people in, in place. And I just don't think that that structure is there right now. I don't think we've got the right people, but. So there was, there's been talk about it for a while. Mm-hmm. And in 2011, the writers of GI Joe, the rise of Cobra were hired to pen an adaption. And then in June 2018, Jordan Peele pitched his version to Disney, and it was not picked up. Hmm. Which at that point, you're like, I'm sorry, do you guys not want to make money? Is that? It's Jordan freaking Peele. Yeah. Is that the plan here? He Um, would, he would really, he would really, I feel like he's also just a fan of it. So. Yeah. 
I think I like I mean you can you can I think you can put together based on the beginning of this conversation and us talking about what gargoyles is really about um being prejudice and and racism and, and all that thing you can see where Jordan Peele would be like yes let's let's do some work with gargoyles and where Disney would be like this makes us scared <laughs> this makes us very very scared yeah that's what I was reading an article about it and like that's what the writer said he's like it's probably because Disney was scared yeah, of what yeah. it was. And maybe they didn't want to work with Greg again. Maybe they're scared of Greg. It's um, it's one of those things where where uh, every time I've had a conversation about Disney and how gun shy they are about um, diversity and inclusion or that they like their tokenism, but they don't they 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 get really, really scared of anything truly meaningful like like, you know, Finn and Poe in in the rise of skywalker um and and just being like and and it, as it's so much that they were like hey can you guys make sure that you shoehorn in something to let everybody know that poe dameron is for sure straight um which like listen i don't care what you put on screen poe dameron's not straight it's not that's not a reality poe dameron just like lando calrissian he does not it does not matter it does not matter. He's pan. Yeah, 100%. Um, can we talk but, about uh, the... Oh, Yeah, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, can we talk about the reference and the recent DuckTales series? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Um, so, yeah. In the last adventure, the series finale, there's like this funny joke throughout the series that starts as like this headless man horse. Yeah. It's called Manny. And he just walks around after he's like, given the head of a statue of Scrooge McDuck. And he's just like, he works for the company now. Yeah. It's just, he's just there. And he's one of the, it's it's weird. I know it's weird, but that's what that series is. And it's amazing. So after, um, in the final episode, he transforms into his true self and that like has wings and he looks like a gargoyle and he is voiced by Keith David and he says, I live again. Yeah. And it's hilarious. And there's a, so like a little bit of gargoyles. So the little theme song plays a little bit. And yeah. this is like from DuckTales, the recent series that has so many homages to Disney Afternoon, including like Rescue Rangers. Darkwing Duck gets his own like episodes arc. Mm-hmm. So it was nice that they got. Oh, even the, the gummy bears. What were those bears? Yeah. Yeah. Bears? So. Yeah, the the gummy bears, I I rescue rangers, Darkwing, I um, Goof Troop are all like included in the mythology of the new Ducktail series. It's all it's all there, and and I think that there's a reference to Bonkers. I don't think that like the character shows up, but I think that there's like a reference to the city that he's from or something. That one's hard because that one has humans in it. Um, yeah. Uh, which like gargoyles is also hard, but they found a fun way to do it. I, I, because gargoyles is, is like a real world sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, they, they managed to get in, they managed to get in references. I think uh, and tailspin as well. Tailspin's actually like a major part of the series. Um, I, so I, I'm trying to think if there's any other, like of the mainstays of Disney afternoon that didn't get covered. 
Um, but I, but I think that they managed to have a reference to almost every show that was ever part of Disney afternoon. Uh, but yeah, that gargoyles one. Oh my God. I popped so hard for that. I laughed so Leonardo DiCaprio pointing gif uh, all day Um, at that one in an episode in a, in a couple of episodes. Cause the, that's in like the finale. Right. And like the, those last couple episodes is just like there cause they knew that the show was done. And so they were like go fast now <laughs> like get, yeah, we gotta as get many everyone. in as we can uh so it's just like it's it's yeah it's lightning round of disney afternoon and and old school disney references and that one is too good so uh one of the interesting things i'm talking about with the comic book is um slave labor graphics in 2006 produced um greg's weissman's um what he said would be season three and it's interesting it did not continue after 2008 because Disney increased its licensing fees. Hmm. So I don't know. Again, Disney versus Greg, it feels yeah. like. But recently in, tw- in the summer, last summer, Dynamite Entertainment is doing Gargoyle season four. And it's like the, the 18 issues of the mm-hmm. previous from slave labor are still canonical and they announced that over a hundred thousand pre-orders making it the highest selling comic of the year for Di- dynamite so yeah like there are still fans they recently came out with like a board game my friend maggie like was just like at target and she's like candace look what they have and i was like oh my god so so you you want to talk about you want to talk about board games i can i i i'm gonna unlock core memory uh for is it the vhs board game yeah so i had the vhs board game i think a lot of us hardcore gargoyles fans did and um if you've ever seen the community episode where they play pile of bullets a made up vhs uh, mm-hmm. board game um and you watched that and you went like, I didn't, I never experienced a VHS board game, but surely they weren't this bad. Uh, absolutely 110% they were. And so I, I think I got it for Christmas or something that year. And I, I, me and my brothers sit down to play it and, and bearing in mind, obviously I'm like nine years old. I, I, and we try and play this game and I, oh my God it was not happening it was just not happening it like it was so difficult to make any sense of i and i think i still have it somewhere but like we've lost all the pieces and stuff like that but but i still have the tape in the big box that it came in but i i it was rad oh my god it was so cool to like have all that stuff and i had i had all the original not all of the original i had i had the like i think they did three versions of goliath um, cause I had, I had the, the, there, they did, they did like a regular one where that looked like they did in the cartoon. And then they would do a stone skin one that was like, uh, that looked more like the box art stuff that they had done at the time. Um, like concept art, uh, that would, they, they were like rough to the touch. Um, and then they had a third version of the figure that like busted out of, uh, I, I, 
plastic <laughs> like you put the little plastic armor pieces on it and then it would like break out of them of, of mm-hmm. that was all for goliath and but i think for all of the regular characters they had like a regular one and then the stone skin one and uh, i had all of those goliath ones and then i had the xanatos one that xanatos figure was like my favorite action figure for a long time because he had it was he was in like his uh uh undersuit or whatever but then you had like all the armor pieces to turn him into one of the one of the steel uh gargoyles um and uh yeah so so awesome man that like like i say like that this show was like formative for me um to the degree that this is my first ship ever uh and i didn't realize it until i got like fully into the Raylo fandom and was like like i think somebody had posted like a what's your what was your first ship sort of thing and i started digging and i was like Oh, it was a hundred percent. It was a hundred percent Eliza and Goliath, which is hilarious because like, here's this human woman with this purple monster man. But yeah, my dad would say it's interspecies, and I was like, yeah, they're in love. But it's funny because this is like a couple years after Beauty and the Beast, right? Yeah, and so there's the Halloween episode where they all go down to street level to hang out with the humans. And like pretend I always love this. So like when the Ninja Turtles come up on Halloween and everybody's like, wow, that's a really good costume. It's like, no, that's a that's a monster, man. Uh, but whatever. That's fine. Let's pretend it's a costume. I I but they not so subtly, as a matter of fact, not subtly at all. Just let you know what they're doing with the characters when uh, when Elisa shows up dressed as Belle <laughs> and you're like. Like in like the literal like Belle from Beauty and the Beast because it's Disney. So she can just be in that outfit without legal ramification. And uh, and it's like, come on, let's go. You can be my beast sort of thing. And it's like uh, a nine-year-old brain was like, wait, wait a second. Uh, I was like doing like doing the math, like the CSI math. There's uh, a yeah. whole episode where um, Puck, literally from Midsummer's Night's Dream, uh, trans makes Elisa into a gargoyle and like Mm. Goliath's like I never knew how attractive you are and she's like what yeah and then and then briefly he's human when she's human and they're like oh no they're hot kind of thing and it's just awkward and hilarious the the best part of that is when is when all of the gargoyles get turned into humans and uh and they're they are not attractive. <laughs> they're you look at all of them and they're like they're all like like uh, uh, they they just look like a construction crew. <laughs> like it's uh, I always found that really funny. It was like it was so disconcerting. It's so funny because they walk around naked all the time, right? Like they just got these loincloths yeah. on all the time, and you never bat an eye at it. And then the second that they're flesh colored, you're like, "Ooh, this is icky. This is I don't mm, no, Get them this doesn't clothes. work for me. Please put something on your body." Yeah, I it's it's too good. It's too good. But I do love how always the female uh, gargoyles were more fully clothed than the male gargoyles. <laughs> always, always had to make sure. You got those, you got those bikini spots covered, but, uh, yeah. Um, listen, we're, we're right at about the hour mark. And, uh, I think that we've covered a lot of stuff. I just want to make sure before we start to close it out, is there anything else sort of like on your personal connection 
to the gargoyles that you wanted to cover? We kind of, we kind of, kind of covered it throughout, right? But, uh, but was there anything yeah. specific that, that we missed that you wanted to talk about? Um, not personal, but I just remembered they had the Illuminati in this series. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is just bonkers. Like, yeah. not bonkers, the series, but bonkers, just the amount of references in this show. Yeah. But yeah. I think this, this got me into fandom, this series, because mm. you would go online, you would see other Gargoyle fans. There was a Gargoyles, like, called the Gathering Convention. I never went, but I wanted to go. <laughs> but I was, like, eight, you know? So my mom's like, I'm not driving you to meet a bunch of strangers. I'm like, okay. But yeah, this just like, it got me into more serialized stories and mm-hmm. series. And yeah, I love the romance. And um, we joke about like on the waffle, like the monster effers club. Yeah. Not going to curse. But I think this is where it started for a lot of us. Oh, 100%. 100 percent yeah Yeah, that's why i say like it's like the show is foundational for me and that is one of the pieces that is foundational it's like a love for serialized you know mythic storytelling for sure but then also like um but what if the pretty lady uh did did a a kiss with the with the the monster man right like 100 percent we do get a kiss, and it's a very hot kiss for an animated series. I would like to say it wasn't just like a pet kiss; it was a yeah. full mouth kiss. Oh yeah, no, like, it was. Wow. There was tongue. There was tongue. Yeah. yeah, it was Parisian. If you if you catch my drift. And then like uh, he turns the stone right after, and he just has this like really dopey grin on his face, and I'm just cracking up. Yeah. And yeah. I remember being like, "They kissed," and just like my parents were like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "No," and I didn't know it, but like that was the first time a ship I liked became canon. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, no. the happiness. Talk, talk, talk about an awakening. Yeah. Uh, oh, 100%. yeah, that was a different yeah. awakening. But yeah, yeah, no. But on a serious note, again, yes, this helped me so much. Yeah. Understand things and feel more accepted, and I think it did help some of my classmates too. Also, like, a lot of the girls didn't like to watch it because they thought it was a boy show. And I was like, that's yeah. stupid. Like, Lisa's <laughs> right there. And then Angela, Goliath's daughter. Like, there's, like, a whole, like, her parents aren't together anymore. So it's kind of like a divorce, even though, like, one of them's, like, a murderous, crazy lady. <laughs> but, like, they still have that, like, stuff in there that, like, I feel like so many kids could, like, relate to and it was amazing and yeah i could talk about this for five more hours we talked about doing a stone waffle show where we just watched (laughs) the whole series again but i'm like i can't start another podcast can i (laughs) (laughs) i listen you are you are uh venting to the right person on that note because it's like every time i turn around i'm like but i should probably do a community rewatch podcast because it is yeah if i'm gonna rewatch it um, I might as yeah. well do a podcast. I might as well create content, right? With yeah. what time, Candace? With what yeah. time? Yeah, no, I, 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 I luckily have my wife to constantly remind me that I <laughs> do not have the time for that sort of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, but that doesn't stop me from every five minutes thinking like, but what if I did do a Gargoyles podcast? Because <laughs> every time I watch it, I'm like. This show is perfect. It's perfect for a podcast. So good because you could just like analyze, like yeah. find the inspiration and just go into that and also talk about the 90s. Oh, stop it. Okay, never mind. Yeah, no, it's one of those ones where it's like, it's a good thing I didn't have access to the internet back then because I would have been insufferable. 
I even more so than I was, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's awesome. I well, I I think we I think we covered it. I think we did it. I think I think we we we've hopefully we've convinced some people to go boot up Disney Plus and check out Gargoyles uh, right now. Um, and maybe and maybe Nintendo will add it to the uh, Nintendo Switch Online Sega Genesis uh, lineup. Now that I've and said it out loud, maybe uh, you I, can beat level yeah, one finally. Beat the first level. I'm sure there's some YouTube video I could watch. I, Candice, where can people find you if they want to hear more of you talking about nerdy stuff? Oh, it's nonstop. You can find me at <laughs> Candice the Geek on Twitter, and you can find me at thegeekywaffle.com. Geeky underscore waffle on Twitter, the geeky waffle everywhere else. Please check up our YouTube where we talk about just a lot of animation stuff, especially Disney. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Uh, yeah, go check out Candace on all of those uh, various channels and platforms and whatnot. I, and I, I will be back. Oh man, I've been teasing it. I've been teasing it and I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys one more tease for the next episode. Joe gets back from, uh, from Europe soon. Uh, I think in like, in like a week or so. Uh, and so he and I, we've, it's already on the schedule. We are all set to record. Uh, and, uh, this is my hint. This is my hint is we're going to have a really good time talking about this next thing. And a bunch of you think that you just figured it out. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't figure out what the next episode is, but we are going to have a good time. I uh, and uh, yeah, I uh, I thank you all for listening. Thank you to everybody who supports us over on Patreon. Um, and uh, and I'll just do a quick shout out for Tim Dipple and the uh, Perfect Ten Pop Quiz over on Patreon. So uh, I I've switched it up. All Patreon rewards go to all Patreon supporters. It doesn't matter how much money you give us. Um, so uh, if if you'd been holding back because uh, previously you looked at it and the tiers didn't make sense, I agree. They didn't make sense. Um, and I just, the other part of it is that I was like, we're locking some really, really good content behind a $10 paywall. And, I, I, and that's not fair. I, mostly to Tim, who's producing these, these perfect 10 pop quizzes for every episode. Um, every four weeks and uh, and I want as many people to enjoy them as possible so head over to patreon.com slash thunderquack and pledge uh, pledge a dollar and and you'll get access to the perfect 10 pop quiz um, he actually hasn't watched gargoyles and has to put together a pop 10 a, a pop quiz 10 question trivia quiz for you guys uh, on gargoyles and I told him um, it's okay. They're just all, the answers are all the next generation. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, but we'll see what he comes up with. He, he did a really cool thing on the last one. If, if for people who, who don't support us on Patreon, haven't listened. Um, he used, so the last episode was Terminator 2 Judgment Day. He used chat GPT to write some of the trivia questions, <laughs> which I thought was clever. It's actually the only clever use of of ai that i've uh, encountered in like real life like certainly there have been some smart people on the internet who've done some funny things but uh but in terms of like a real person that i know doing something funny with with chat gpt or like ai um that that doesn't cross an ethical boundary or anything like that i i 
Tim, Tim was pretty clever on that one. So I got to give him props for it. I, uh, so yeah, go, go, uh, go check that out. Um, cause you, if you, you, you pledge, you'll get access to all the previous ones. Um, which is me now having said that I have to go back through and I actually have to, I have to unlock all the old ones because <laughs> I think they're all set to the $10 tier. But, uh, but yeah, I uh, thank you to everybody who does support us. Thank you to everybody who listens. Um, and, uh, and of course, uh, even if you, if you can't support us monetarily on Patreon, you can always support us by recommending an episode to a friend. I know you got a gargoyles friend out there that wants to listen to two gargoyles fans, just be nerdy about gargoyles for an hour. Right. So send it over their way. Um, or uh, or head to your podcast service and uh, leave a little leave a little rating or review, preferably five stars if you can if you can be so generous, um, if we deserve it, I guess. But uh, thank you again for listening. Thank you again, Candice, for being on the episode. I uh, you you've you've just returned from your own trip to Europe for Star Wars Celebration, so. I, I, I know that this, you're taking on a lot by coming and being on a podcast, uh, so soon after returning. So I really appreciate that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Thunderquack Perfect 10 is hosted by me, Michael Cohn. Follow us on Twitter at Thunderquack Pod, on Instagram at Thunderquack Podcast, on Facebook at Thunderquack, and join us on Discord at Thunderquack.com slash Discord. Support the podcast by heading to Patreon.com slash Thunderquack to get early access, bonus episodes, and the Thunderquack Perfect 10 pop quiz. Thunderquack Perfect 10 is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. Thank you.